On Sundays here, the last many weeks, we have been talking about tensions, uh, about how so often in life, to find true, full, deep, rich life, we have to hold together two things that might seem opposed to one another on the surface, but actually need one another. That's what we're talking about. Holding tensions is where we find life. And today, the tension that we want to discuss is kind of a, another step uh, to the left or to the right of what we've been talking about uh, over the last couple of weeks. It is the tension of looking inward and looking outward. We both we need both of these things. Doesn't that feel true? Like a healthy, full life, of course, has an element of looking inward. We want you know to have an inward reflection practice. We want to be have people, we want to be people who have self-knowledge, who are not just kind of, you know, bowling over people, not aware that their ego is all over that. We want to be in touch with ourselves, right? That's obviously a big part of a full life. And yet also we would, I think, all agree that a big part of a full life is being richly relational and not being closed off and not just being in your own world navel gazing, but having lots of avenues out that touch on other people and other people matter to you. And so, you know, in spirituality, this feels true too, that we need both of these looking inward and looking outward. There's this tradition that's deeply important to us in the Jesus tradition, which is that Jesus has put his spirit in each individual, that we find God by the God, the peace of God that resides inside of us. There is a looking inward element to experiencing God. And yet at the same time, there's a looking outward element because we are talking about encounter with one who is beyond us. God is not just encompassed by our opinions and beliefs and thoughts about God. God is out there in other people for us to interact. Only other people can show me things about God that I cannot show myself. And so there is this outward flow and inward flow when we're talking about a full life and when we're talking about connecting with God. But like we've been uh, starting with is tensions are hard to hold. That's not exactly immediately evident all the time. And so where we want to go today, I'm excited to invite in my fellow pastor, Haley Larson, who is going to be joining us for today's discussion. And uh, Haley, what I want to kind of dive into first is how is this tension hard for you? Because it's going to be hard for all of us in different ways. Definitely. Yeah. The words that you just used um, of other people matter to you is definitely true and beautiful and wonderful. And for me, it brings along um, other people's affirmation and opinions <laughs> and things like that. Yeah, yeah, And to yeah. really, really matter to me as well. Um, so I have typically been someone who looks outward for validation and meaning. My default mode has been to look to others when I'm trying to process or find direction. It can be hard sometimes for me to find that same sense of meaning or worth internally. There have definitely been moments of grounding um, and hopefulness that I have had internally in life, but when you've uh, developed a pattern of looking outward for everything, it can be really difficult to set a new course of self-compassion, of trusting your own voice. So at times making decisions has been really tough, finding my own like inner motivation instead of being externally motivated all the time has been really difficult too. But a particular story came to mind when we started thinking about planning for this week. Um, and in the season that this takes place in, this was a really helpful course corrective for me to try to lean more into this tension of still valuing outward community while also finding my own inner sense of joy. So the very last week of 2019, I found out that I was pregnant. 
And then a few months later, we were suddenly in a global pandemic and isolated at home. So it was a really strange timing to all of that. And now normally it's really easy for my internal dialogue to be co-opted by anxiety. So I was really surprised that somehow I felt grounded in myself for some strange reason in this season of pregnancy, I didn't feel very anxious. And I totally recognize that that is my own unique experience in this. Um, this is coming up out of my own experience here. But the chaotic and often negative voice that I sometimes refer to anxiety brain, that's what I've named it, was gone. It was really strange to me. And I had a spiritual direction session later that spring, which um, I think of spiritual direction kind of as a mix of therapy and prayer with a stress on listening to Jesus. And the session helps me realize that I was experiencing a really important shift. My outward conversations, the state of the nation and world, a bombardment of messaging from social media all seemed really overwhelming and frantic and rightfully so. But I was able to stay grounded in this hope of new life. Suddenly my internal dialogue was more caring and gentle and it made it feel like my inner being was a safer place to dwell. I found this inner sense of direction and motivation, and it was really important for me to start experiencing this shift toward a more rich and fulfilling inner life that wasn't contingent on outward validation or smooth sailing around me, finding the meaning within myself instead of defaulting to looking to others made it a lot easier to hold the tension of looking inward and looking outward. Yeah, that's really good, Haley. I'm I'm thinking about um, my own self. Like, it it feels like there are examples that I can pull um, on both sides of uh, of like falling off the pitfall on this end or falling off the pitfall on this end. And I wonder if that's going to be um, if that's going to be true for a lot of us here. Is that we kind of have to put ourselves in different seasons in our lives? Like, you're going back to. Uh, the sort of the season just prior to the one you're in, right? And suddenly having this, you know, uh, this really sort of transformational uh, move. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that as I look back in seasons, um, I have de I've definitely struggled on both sides. It's like I also resonate with the idea of looking outward. Like I can remember, uh, I can remember planning, like going all out to plan a birthday for a friend when I was in college, and then there experience being like not at all what I was hoping for. The the excitement level wasn't there. And I just remember feeling like so sour and annoyed and, you know, and, and just like put off by that. And so there's like little examples of just like my personality. I'm looking to go outward first to try and, you know, get back. So I definitely relate to that one. On the other hand, I, I think that I also, I also miss the, the, I, or I default to the to the inward side, and I miss the outward side. And I remember um, I, I told a story a couple of weeks ago about receiving feedback. Um, and uh, when outside feedback is coming at me, I have developed a sense of self that like generally I get defensive that I actually know best and they actually know wrong. <laughs> and uh, and so in supervisor settings, coworker settings, I will often, um, a begin in a place of I'm looking inward and having like a strong sense of what's going on here, almost too strong. And I don't have the ability to pull in something, a voice that's coming from the outside. Uh, and that affects me from a, 
you know, just from a like able to receive feedback uh, standpoint, it affects me relationally, right? Because that doesn't, it's not just like information that's not getting in in that situation. It's also like I'm refusing a person or I'm refusing relationship with a person. And no doubt that affects me spiritually too. So I can see, I can see ways that I kind of fall into both. Um, I, 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 I fall victim to both pitfalls. Um, I also hear in what you're saying though, Haley, and I would, I would love to hear you comment on this too, because this feels true to me, is that culturally, we actually have negative messages on both sides uh, here. And so it's not like, I don't think it's that like American culture necessarily defaults to inward or outward in any, you know, like one or the, over the other. I think that we just kind of have, we have some positive messages about both, but we also have some negative messages about both. I think about... Um, like outwardly, there is definitely this like constant implicit message that encourages you to encourages you to look outward, right? You know, like get more likes on social media. Um, you know, like how can you how can you develop your highlight reel in the best way? And that is totally like a just kind of draw to define yourself by what's outward in 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 a way that misses the holding the tension of the other. But on the flip side, I also think that there's a lot of things that um, are labeled private matters in, uh, in, in American life, something like personal finances or relational intimacy. Like if you're having struggles with them, you, you know, like read a self-help book <laughs> or, you know, like go to, go to therapy, which is a good message, but then, you know, but don't bother anybody else with it. You know, go bother the people that you're paying with. And, and that's a way that I think we actually have this negative message on the opposite of like, it's all look inward, don't bring outward voices in because, you know, you might get laughed at if you bring up, hey, I, I feel like when I had car trouble uh, shortly out of college and, you know, had never been in such high stakes financial situations, I like, who do I turn to? I feel ashamed to call my dad and ask, you know, like, hey, I'm in a situation I didn't know what I was going to be in or when I, you know, like, I wonder if anyone has, who's ever dated ever, like you're in a, you're in a relationship and you're suddenly like feeling dread and apprehension interrupt romance. And you're, you know, like, I've never been in this situation before, or I'm out of practice or something like that. What do I do? And you're not allowed to talk about those things. You're not allowed to bring those up with other people because those are private matters. And so I don't know, like, do you, do you feel pulled in, in multiple directions when it just thinks about like what it means to be a person who lives in America? Yeah, I've been, in order to kind of make some sense of this all, I've been thinking about it as a Venn diagram. Um, hmm. Apparently this is my sign for Venn diagram. But on one side, if you have this like inner health, um, a healthy relationship with yourself, I guess. And then on the other side, communal and outward health there. Um, or maybe health isn't even the right word because I think sometimes you're right. There is this like negative aspect of, landing in one side yeah um so completely but this idea of living in a really healthy middle ground i think that um they impact one another so if you have more um spiritual or emotional mental health in a season i think it's a lot easier to be involved in a community in a really healthy way with boundaries um going in with realistic expectations not being too dependent on people but still being trusting and open living um, in that living in that, that middle, middle of, the, of the Venn diagram. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the other is true as well. If you are in a community that is supportive, that is challenging you in a way, but supporting you through those challenges, I think it's a lot easier to have an internal life. That's really fulfilling and rich. Um, I think we feel the tensions most clearly when those things clash, 
um, when we're really far into isolation and it's hard to draw ourselves back into some type of community or when we're solely motivated yes. by the approval of others, like when we're at those kind of clashing moments, um, that's when we feel the tensions most clearly. But I think that they still, they need to come together. It's just yes. not in a clashing way. It's in a way that's um, mutually impacting each other that being able to have like communal health and individual health is very dependent. On yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is, this is some of the, um, as, as we kind of continue on, I'll, I'll like kind of punt it back to everybody here who's um, listening or watching. Um, we would love to hear how this plays out for you because we do, we are aware that this is going to play out differently for you. Um, just like the last couple tensions that we've talked about based on your um, position in society, your power in society, your um, like how like your personality, um, whether you've been wounded or hurt and, you know, in one capacity or another, um, uh, your mental health state, you know, like this is going to be different for all of us. And so we'd, we'd, we're curious to hear how does it play out? Like the idea of, I, I feel messages to look inward and look outward. Both of those are great, but also there's bad versions of both of those messages. How do we sort through it? How do we figure out the tension? Um, but because I, I think Haley, um, I think what you're pointing to this uh, this idea behind tensions is that they the two sides need each other. It's not that we just need you know like they're totally divorced from each other and we need both of them because they're so different and they they balance you out. It's that they actually, in order to be a richly relationally invested person, you actually need a strong sense of self. And in order to have a strong sense of self, you need to have relationships. You can't just be isolated. And that again is 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 how we get into the weird like paradox, right? Like you you can't have one without the other. But also they're talking about opposite things. Doesn't quite you know like it kind of breaks your brain. But I think it's really important to uh, to dig into that and let that feel true and uh, and and let it let it just kind of break your brain. Like I, I think of probably the person who has influenced me the most is a good friend of mine that I think showed me that both of those things can be true. Like uh, the, uh, somebody who I've learned, like uh, speaking of, I'm, I'm talking about like private matters in our culture, personal finances and relational intimacy. This one friend has taught me more about those things because he has been vulnerable enough to bring me into how those things play out for him, which again, culturally, like you're not rewarded for doing that. You're sort of not supposed to bring those things up, but he has been vulnerable enough to say like, when I have uh, given off the the feeling of not sure or, um, you know, in over my head or, or anxious because I'm starting something new, he's like, would you like to talk about that? And I say, yes, please. Nobody will talk to me about this. And, uh, and, and that's been, that's been really, really healthy to me. He, so he showed me what it looks like to, to look outward, to have a role model. That's been important for me is to look around and say, who are my models? Who do I want to grow up to be like when I grow up? And, uh, but then at the same time, the way he's, the reason he's able to do that. And the reason he's able to do that with appropriate boundaries and not doing something that puts him in a difficult situation or puts me in a difficult situation is because he's done enough work to like know himself and be in touch with himself. Himself. He would not be able to do one without the other, and uh, and there I feel like is 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 why we talk about this as attention is we need to both look inward and outward. It's not just like hey, um, you know, like a, the, the 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 surface level way to talk about this would be like I tend to look inward, and so I'm going to go look outward more. It's like yeah, that that's part of it, but I I think even deeper, it's like oh well, how how can those serve each other? And it's not just a you know balancing out the columns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're just, they're so intertwined. I don't think that we can 
separate them out. I think some tensions operate as like a pendulum swing in some ways, but this one for me feels very deeply intertwined and it's kind of just figuring out how to navigate in different seasons. Um, you brought up power and mm -hmm. personality and positionality, things like that. I mean, I am speaking as a white woman. Um, I'm also speaking as an oldest child with an mm. eight year age gap, um, Enneagram too. So the whole being motivated by approval is really deeply ingrained in me. So an important shift that I have uh, leaned into more so is being motivated by meaning um, mm. instead of approval. And so being in community is going to bring about meaning that I can't um, conjure up on my own, but then being able to have a rich life of um, reflection and the inner work that takes place, that brings about deeper meaning as well. Um, so when we're motivated by approval, which I think a lot of um, society sets us up for, like our everything is, seems to be motivated, the messaging is by success and by approval rating and all of yeah. that. Um, but if we shift the narrative to say, maybe that's not the most helpful motivation. Maybe yeah. it's really deeply finding meaning, um, meaning in a relationship with God, meaning in a relationship with others and with ourselves, um, that that has been a helpful thing, I think, to, to take down some of the different layers of power here and figure out how, how do I take this messaging of success and turn it into actually a messaging of meaning. I really like that flip of moving away from uh, lo looking for approval to looking for meaning. That that gives that gives a lot of um, a, it just puts a lot of uh, wings behind the idea of I, I do need other people and I need to look to other people. But it also has a firm boundary between you know finding my uh, finding my worth through that versus actually increasing uh, my self worth through that. I, I'm I, I'm finding meaning. They they talk to each other. So I really like that move away from finding approval to finding meaning. Um, th so, I mean, that is, is a really, really helpful thing. The other thing you mentioned was um, spiritual direction as something that's really helped you. Um, if we can kind of continue the, the what helps conversation in terms of looking inward, looking outward, um, what, el what else have you got here? Do you have anything else that, that's really felt like it's helped? Yeah. I, um, so I've been thinking about this question of which voice is speaking the loudest in my life right now. Um, mm. Because I think sometimes maybe that feels like the voice of God, if you want to name it that. Maybe it feels like your own voice is speaking really loud. Vince, you talked about some of this, like, I'm right and I know what I'm doing and I have the right way of looking at things. Um, maybe it's your own inner voice and it's really comforting and nurturing and encouraging. Uh, maybe it's the voice of others in a way that's really supportive and helpful. Maybe it's the voice of others where you're just feeling like, man, I need to navigate this well because everybody is looking at me like I am under a microscope and I can't let people down. Um, or I need this need to live up to other people's expectations. So the question of which voice is speaking the loudest in my mm. life right now. And I think it, it was either last week or a couple of weeks ago that Vince, you brought in this passage um, but there's a beautiful picture of God speaking in a gentle whisper that I oh, keep yeah. coming back to over and over again. Um, so it says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And mm -hmm. in the gentle whisper, Elijah hears God's voice. So thinking about this, tied to this question of what voice is speaking the loudest right now. 
um, I think that there's a calling to find the quiet spaces and listen more intentionally. It's not saying, oh, you're, it's not simplifying it to say, you are only having this inner life and you need to be more involved or you're only with community and listening to other people and you need to have more self-assurance. It's saying there are a lot of voices speaking right now. Mm. Uh, where, what is quiet? Where do you need to start listening a little bit more intently? Maybe your inner dialogue feels really chaotic and overwhelming. So maybe that's a call to be more in conversation with community, um, to look for encouragement in new places, to find joy in things outside of yourself. And then there's also the space of maybe the outside world feels really exhausting and cluttered and leaning into the beauty of your own inner life could offer some peace. Well, that's, that's so, so helpful. So almost the, the important litmus test for us to take when we're trying to figure out the voice to listen to, to find that gentle whisper is um, it's not so much like, what is the message? Because again, we can get good messages and unhelpful messages on both of these sides. Like, there, so it's not so much, let me, what is the right one to listen to or what is the good one? But it's more, what is just adding to the din and the clutter and the noise and the just exhaustion and the demands that I feel versus what is that gentle whisper that's pulling me into something really different? That is how, I mean, I, I, th I think that some, you know, all of the people in our, in our community, as I talk with you, as I interact with you, as I start to get to know your lives and what you struggle with, like we're all smart people, right? Like we all, we all have plenty of content in our life telling us like, here is, you know, how to live best, you know, they're, they're, they're all, we, we, we're aware of those things. It's not so much that we need to hear, you know, a message we've never heard before, but maybe it's like, gosh, when there's just so many messages coming at me. What do I listen to right now is the most difficult thing to discern. And that's where I need to look for, look for something that's guiding me into rest, look for something that's guiding me into peace, rather than looking for something that's just adding heightened emotion and anxiety to things that already feel really, really high on the anxiety meter. Um, I'm, I'm seeing something uh, just a bit ago from the chat uh, from uh, Ben. And Ben, I appreciate you sharing this. You're, you're talking about uh, being in a situation in work where your tendency is is sort of stuck in this either or, either to defend yourself and attack back if you're uh, put in a difficult situation in a work environment, or to debase yourself and seek approval and forgiveness. And I think that that just feels so true for so many of us. How often do we feel caught in an either or like that? And And in some ways, the difficult thing is that if we are only going to, the difficult thing is that it almost feels like you have to choose one of those if you are, I'm, I'm going to think about like um, uh, going too far down the road of defining yourself outward. Um, if, if, you, if you can only define yourself outward, uh, if you look like one of those things, that's all you are. That's the entirety of who you are as a person. And so it can just feel like, uh, like, like destroying you inside. But if you can if you can hold, you know, like a sense of like, okay, I, I need to take seriously how I interact back with this person. I, this is not something I just can throw off and do without uh, being careful. But also I need to remind myself that I have an inward value that is separate from my feeling approved by other people. I can live in a bit of tension where there might be an opinion or a narrative out there about me that I disagree with or that feels harmful or that's not the whole story. There might, it might be out there, but can I still operate as, you know, like with as much integrity as I can to the kind of person that I want to be in that situation? 
that takes holding that tension really well to do that because it, it is so, so easy to end up in that either or uh, that, that I think Ben painted really well. I, I think that... I, I, I think that what you're experiencing is like what so many of us experience so often. Yeah, I think often it's been set up as we're um, given the option to deny ourselves to please others or um, to forget the rest of the world in order to like stand true to who we are type of a thing. Um, I think that comes from a very like individualist uh, culture as well. And to think, to be able to separate out the things that we're doing from the person that we are. Like there's obvious connection there. Like how we interact and operate in the world should be deeply rooted in our own sense of being. And when things clash, um, this whole thing that you're talking about, Vince, of like others' perceptions of who you are, man, that gets at my like Enneagram to people pleasing self so much. You want to be viewed um, as like, that's not the story you tell about yourself, right? Like I'm, I don't want to be viewed as a defensive person or do I want to be mm -hmm. viewed as a, as a pushover, right? Like I want, exactly. I want people, the story other people tell about me to be like, man, he's so well adjusted, but like sometimes that's not in my power to control. Do I have enough, have I looked inward enough that I can handle that? If somebody actually out there views me in a way that I find kind of negative, am I okay? Yeah, I think that naming that piece of control is really important to mm. know that we cannot control um, others' perceptions or emotions or anything like that. And if we're trying to, that's really unhealthy. Um, but to be able to separate out from that a bit. And I think that gets at the shift from approval to meaning, that when we're able to dwell in these deep spaces of meaning, um, it's a little bit easier than when we're trying to be motivated by approval. Approval hmm. fits a lot more nicely into the systems that we have set up. Um, so maybe pursuing meaning is going to be freeing ultimately, but it's going to involve a little bit of um, frustration of even letting people down because it's a shift in what's motivating you. Um, that there's going to be a little bit more of a clash when we lean into this space of meaning, but it's going to be a lot more fulfilling as well. Hmm. I like that. There's a, there's a scripture that I was drawn to as we were thinking about this, um, this topic. And I want, I want, I want to read it and tell you, tell everybody why I was drawn to it. Cause I think it's, um, it's pretty, it's really beautiful. So, uh, this is a reading of something that Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. And it's something that, um, I'll show you in a second, but it's something that we often take um, to to be Jesus being very critical, and uh, and the this beautiful reading I was I was uh, brought to was like maybe actually Jesus is saying something different than we think. So um, the 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 passage begins. It's uh, Jesus is speaking to uh, a crowd. It's sort of part of the the Sermon on the Mount, and so he's giving uh, he's speaking about lots of various teachings about, uh, about doing life and living a full life. And he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. And I, I, I'm thinking about like the way I might translate this to today, like fasting is not necessarily like the, the thing that you look around and see lots of, you know, all of the most noble people in your life doing. But I was, I was thinking like, when you, when you donate money to that cause that matters to you, do not announce it on Facebook. That's, that's my 21st century uh, translation of Jesus. Anyway, uh, he's a, uh, Jesus goes on, for the, uh, the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, 
They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus referring to God as father in this case. So the, the reason I wanted to bring up this passage is that most of us have been formed to take uh, this line where Jesus says, those who, who fast and, and then disfigure their faces to show that they're doing it, he finishes with, they have received their reward in full. And I think most of us have, kind of, like we, we, the way that we're taught to read this, we think Jesus is being sarcastic there, right? It's like, they've received their reward in full and their reward is they're going to hell. You know, like that's, that, that, I think that's what we're, we're kind of like, you know, set up to, to read there. But the question that was posed to me is what if Jesus isn't being sarcastic? What if Jesus is being straightforward? Because it does feel like a reward to be acknowledged and to be recognized, right? This is why I think this so applies to what we're talking about, this tension of inward and outward, holding it well. Because the truth is, it feels really good to be approved. It feels really good to be recognized for something that you think you're doing that's really noble. Like if I, if I am giving money to something and I feel like that's a really good use of my money, like I, I do kind of want to be applauded. I do want other people to see that and think, way to go, Vince, because that feels good. It is a reward. And I think what we get here from this passage, if Jesus is not being condemning and not being critical, and he's encouraging us not to be critical when we long to feel approved or recognized, I think what we get is just a different, a different tone. We're not bad people if we struggle with that, if we feel a little bit like we you know, want to be seen and want to define ourselves to some degree by what other people say about us. We are not bad people for that. There are, there are ways that we can get more uh, of the approval, that reward that we long from in less like moving target ways, right? Because the approval of others is always going to be a moving target. And that is so, so true at like today in and how fast social things come to the surface and then disappear. And then another comes to the surface and then disappears. The approval of others is a very fickle and moving target, but there are other ways that we can get what we're longing for there without having to call ourselves bad for feeling like we need that. And so Jesus, I think, rightly brings in this idea of when we are connected with God, God Jesus has this connection with God so deep that he calls God Father. If we can have some sort of deep connection there, I do think that that feeds the sense of uh, approval, okayness. Am I, you know, like that's kind of what we were talking about before is like, if there's, if there's an opinion out there that I disapprove of about me, can I still feel okay? Because I have enough going on inward inside me that brings me to a place of balance and settledness. I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. And, uh, and, and, and I like that because it's not critical of me for feeling that need to, oh, I, 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 I want to be approved. I want to be recognized. Yeah, I, I think this, this flip from sarcastic and snarky Jesus that gets read so much into the stories in the Bible. Um, my mom always jokes that my first language was sarcasm. So it's real easy, <laughs> real easy for me to get into that. To space. read that in. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and the messaging that I had received really supported that, too. Jesus being critical. Um, yeah, judgmental in conversations and overly harsh sometimes in stories. 
But to see this as a straightforward God, a God who is speaking healing into people, and sometimes that involves just pointing out the plain truth of it all, um, to be pursuing that voice of truth and healing and life separates out, or I guess it creates more distance from a Jesus that is snarky and sarcastic and judgmental. And I would so much rather follow a God who is operating out of healing and love. And sometimes that looks like straightforwardness and acceptance um, of ourselves and of just the realities that surround us. That seems like such a more fulfilling picture of God to root both my inner life and my experiences with community in. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the last uh, couple of comments here in our chat. And I do think, uh, I appreciate everybody who's sharing because they're, they're from different, um, different seasons of life and different um, representations of life. And one is from Karen uh, about social media, kind of, if I can, if I can try to paraphrase, I'm thinking of like what a therapist has told me before, which is like comparing your inside to somebody else's outside is always going to cause you problems. And, uh, and I just think like the, the uh, it seems like Karen is, is driving us toward this idea of like social media. We, we live in a world that's saturated by social media and it's just always ever present and, and, and out there. And that is, you know, like area number one, where you might compare your inside to somebody else's outside. Um, and so I, I just think that's really, really helpful to bring in. And then the other that I'm seeing is, is uh, from Lynn, who says dealing with the medical community, you've uh, often, she brings up the control, uh, Haley. And, and I do think that you named that word in what we were talking about before, which is a really important one for us to pick out. And maybe it doesn't feel like uh, on, on the at the beginning, it doesn't feel like control is such a huge issue when we're talking about looking inward versus looking outward. But kind of sneaky, it's it's one of the most important things that's going on here. Because when I look outward, the risk in that is that I can't control the other people around me. I can't control whether, you know, like if I go and look to them, if that's if, if that's what what is called for, are they going to meet me halfway? Is it going to be a, a, a true mutual relationship? Are they going to carry through on their promises for me? Likewise, if I look inward, some of the lie that we can start to believe is like, well, because if I look inward, I, you know, like that is what I can control. All these other people can't control them, but it all, there's also kind of this degree of even our own selves can, we can sometimes be unwieldy, right? We, and we, we can sometimes not follow our own orders. We can be unreliable narrators of our own experience. And so control so often feels like the thing that we're grasping for when we are, when we have the tension out of whack. When we're looking too far inward, and we're and we're not able to pull in the outward uh, uh, necessity, or vice versa, it often I think sometimes maybe one of the things that puts us in that more than anything else is feeling out of control. Yeah, control is so central. I think control and trust, and even suspicion. Uh, if you've been hurt by community over and over, then of course you're not. That's not going to be your natural instinct. Um, but what does it look like to rebuild and move towards experiences with community that are going to be healing? The same is true with yourself. I think for me, a lot of my um, what's impacted my narrative is anxiety and seasons of depression. And so if I've had a lot of difficulty looking inward, then of course I'm going to gravitate towards other experiences. Um, so this element of trust and control is really central to understanding how we're able to show up for ourselves and show up in the midst of other people too. Yeah, even as you say that, I'm thinking about the 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 lack of control looking inward for me 
has a lot to do with continuing to uh, educate myself around privilege that I have, that I've been unconscious to for most of my life because it just seemed normative to me. But as a middle-class person, as a white person, as a male, as a straight person, all of these things, you know, I just kind of can go about life. And certainly I, I experience challenge just like everybody else, but there are a lot of things that I never actually even have to think about, or they never actually enter my imagination because of privilege that I have just for who I am demographically and how positionality I am in my world and in my society. And in a lot of those ways, like as I become more uh, aware of those things, as the, as I start to see some of the things that, oh, I never realized that that's an issue because I just never had to deal with it before. As, as I, as I make those discoveries that shows that like, even like, you know, the story I was telling about myself 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was missing a lot of it. And so did I have as much control as I thought I did? And, uh, and, and likewise, I think that that is always going to be true for us is we, we can have this false sense of if I turn inward, that's safer than uh, going outward. And sometimes that's not the case. And, 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 and then also, of course, in, in the reverse, as we've, as we've talked about here, but there is a degree of, um, there, there, there is a degree of, of trust. And I, I like that you brought that word in as well, is that a lot of this involves, you know, kind of core to, to trust is, is, is risking that you might be disappointed. And, uh, and, and I think that there is a call to this in, in all of these things, in holding the tension of looking inward and outward, we have to risk being disappointed, whether it is, you know, looking outward to another human being, whether it is looking outward to God to, you know, to believe that there, that I might not be alone in the universe, uh, or looking inward and saying, I might discover something that I didn't know was there. And that makes me reinterpret things. Um, there, I, I have to have a lot of trust in order to do those things well. Yeah, I think being able to lean into that middle ground of the Venn diagram um, means exploring what it looks like to trust yourself. What does it look like to trust others and those around you and trusting God? And we're, based off of the experiences you've had in life, maybe all three of those are really difficult. Maybe there's one that's more difficult than the other. Um, but this exploration of what it means to live into meaning in a more full rich life, I think it's worth the risk of figuring out how to live into trust of those spaces. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, we hope that everybody has taken away some, um, I don't know, something that hooked them uh, in this conversation, something that they can uh, move going forward with. I really like turning the, my, you know, when I am feeling outward focused, I like turning away from approval, but actually looking for meaning. that That's what I'm really looking for. So I'm going to take that one uh, to the bank with me. Uh, we hope that something is, uh, is is staying with you as we transition on. What I would love to pray for us as we close up this conversation. Well, God, I am aware of aware of the how out of whack holding this tension of looking inward and looking outward can feel how out of whack it can feel just like even in a moment i'm aware of how i can feel great one day and then the very next day because something happened that didn't go according to my plan 
I could just suddenly feel so out of whack. And how quickly I might fall into my own pet vices of turning too far inward or looking too much outward for approval. And it can just happen so quickly. It can happen with the snap of a finger. It can happen just one thing throws us off and there we are again in that challenging spot. God, I, I long for myself and for anyone else who feels captured in that um, to be more resilient, to not have to get tossed with the waves so much because the waves are going to come. We cannot stop them. There are going to be things that are infuriating or annoying or difficult or, or, or there, there are going to be things that trigger our wounds uniquely. We can't evade all of those things. But I long to feel more resilient. And so for any of us who feel that's us, we long to be more resilient in this. Teach us, God. Teach us what does it mean to hold that tension of looking inward and looking outward, of finding meaning in relationships and having a sense of self that is deep and strong, can, can, can stand for ourselves, but not over and against another. What does it mean for us to hold that tension? It's so difficult day in, day out, but I pray that you would teach us. You would teach us in the crises or in the uh, challenges that we're facing right now that activate this, but then also if we don't feel that this is currently activated, that you would teach us so we can be ready when the next wave comes. And that you would show us how to be a community to one another, helping each other as each of us find ourselves in situations where this might be hard or, 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 or we feel activated in this struggle. We can be a community that can resource one another in that. I pray that in your name, amen.